Welcome to the Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where the conversation is always hot and fresh. Comfort food for your soul is always on the menu, and friends are close enough to hug. Pull up a chair. We've been waiting just for you. Welcome to Encouragement Cafe. I'm Luann Prater, and every week we gather around this little table and we talk about things that may be something that you can use, something you can take home with you and say, wow, I want to grab a hold of that. And so this week, I've asked a, a friend of mine, but not only a friend, a leader in our organization that I work for, Brian Sanders, to join me. Brian, thanks for being here. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here today. Well, I love the fact that you have taken what you've learned as a leader and you've put it into something that we can all grab a hold of. And what I'm talking about is Brian just released this year his book called Leadership Endurance. And it's a number one Amazon bestseller in the Christian leadership category. That's a shock. I got to tell you, that's just a shock. Who would have thought that? (laughs) Well, anybody who knows you knows that God is working in you and through you. And so what I want to talk about first, right out of the gate, is what made you decide that leadership was something God called you to do? When eagles are born, they're left in the nest. And the mama eagle, there's a stage, there's a particular day when the mama eagle says, okay, it's just time to fly. And she pushes those little eagles out of the nest. And that's how they learn to fly. Uh, There's no ramp up. There's no test flight. It's just go. What made me decide to be a leader? Uh, This is what I'm built to do. God kind of pushed me out of the nest. Uh, we were in a velvet prison in a career down in New Orleans. It was fun. It was a, it was a comfortable job, but it was a velvet prison. But God was was just calling me to lead, and so He pushed me out of the nest, and so here we are today. I love that velvet prison. I think a lot of us get comfortable. That's what it was. Uh, Yeah. I I call that, like, I get into my, what we call the chocolate bunny, which we don't have anymore. But it was this big, soft sofa. And you kind of sink down into it, and you're like, "Mm, I'm good. I'm good right here. But it's really important that you listened to what God was compelling you to do, nudging you to do, and you took off into the unknown. Would you tell me how how that started? Nerve-wracking. Um, <laughs> absolutely scared to death. Um, we actually uh, went to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, to a Southern Gospel concert series called the Gatlinburg Gathering, put on by Ray Flint. And uh, we were listening to the Hoppers. And my wife and I were seeking God's face about, do we stay in New Orleans or do we come here? And they started singing a song, and it was about Go. And my wife looked at me, and she said, we just got our answer. Mm. And uh, so we came up here, and uh, biggest move we ever made, biggest risk we ever took, but it's been the most rewarding uh, thing that we've ever done. Uh, I don't uh, – let me make this one a little caveat. God doesn't speak like that often. And so most of your life is going to be blindly groping day by day, and you walk by faith and not by sight. 
whereas we want these moments every single day of God to speak, of God to use a song, of God to do whatever. Those are very few and, and yet and yet far between. But yet what I've learned is that if I walk with him, if I'm in his word, if I'm praying, usually he will help me and and yet help me not make really stupid decisions. Not always, uh, because you know, I have freedom, but I don't have to seek his will if I'm living in his will. So there's that. I love that because that is so true. I think a lot of times we're looking for that next song on the radio to just be the aha moment. And you're saying that, no, we've got to be in his word. I love in your book when you kind of give the um, diagram of what your daily routine looks like. And you're also very clear to say, hey, it's not the same routine for everyone, but it is important to have some kind of a routine. Yes. So would you walk through just some of the important key elements of a routine that could shape any leader that could be listening right now? I will. Uh, Let me say this. I wrote the book, Leadership Endurance, for one reason. It's because because I wanted to quit. I wanted to give up. Um... I'm a very large guy. I have a speech defect, and God put me in Christian radio. I, I have a stutter, so I choose my words very carefully so I can avoid stuttering. And I have all these insecurities, and God has allowed this book to go to number one, and so now I'm doing all these speaking engagements. I'm a very large guy, so I walk out on stage, and people are like, whoa, and so it exposes all these insecurities about me but i try to be vulnerable because it isn't just people looking at me but i want people to say you know what if that guy can do it i can do it Mm. Uh, you've got to get in a routine that allows you to push through that and to endure through that Mm. for me uh it starts every day about 5 5 30 in the morning i'm up uh first thing i'll do I'll be honest with you, is I have a Bible app that's called He Reads Truth, and it's and, and, and it's my daily devotion. I'll do that, and then I'll read my Bible. Kayla's then up, uh, and we do a devotional together, and then we read together, and then, and then we pray together. We will talk through our hearts just about every day, what's going on in our hearts, how are we doing, what are, what are we facing that day. And then for, for my day, I do not jam-pack my day i'll usually have meetings and things like that but i try to keep at least a third of the day open to deal with with like unforeseen things because somebody's going to have a problem there's there's going to be some emergency somewhere and also you have to come up for oxygen you just can't be under the hood all the time Mm. so I will keep about about a third of, of, of my day open so I can think. Yeah, I have time scheduled in just to think. Because you've got to look ahead. You, you, you have to think about what's coming. A couple of things that was said in your book as I was reading through it that really struck me. I highlighted them because I think everybody needs to hear this one first. I have failed. You said not once, but a million times. And then this sentence, failure is a teacher none of us wants to hire. Uh. I 
think everybody, I, I, maybe you need to lean in a little bit and listen to that again, because failure is a teacher none of us want to hire. And then the next part of that sentence says, but one that we all need. Yeah. Brian, that is truth speaking to every single heart that's listening right now. Failure is a lesson. It is not a prison. Mm. Um, and so you have to embrace that. Uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, lost. Uh, he ran for office like six times before he ever, uh, and, and, and he didn't win a single time. And then he wins to become president. Well, if he had allowed that loss to, to go to his heart and to tell him, well, I'm just a loser. I'll never be anything. He he never would have become president mm-hmm. of the, of the United States. He never would have won the war, or set the uh, or set the slaves free. So you have to adopt this whole mindset that failure is there to to teach me a a a, a lesson. And from a Christian perspective, this is huge because Scripture says that all things work together for good. And in the very next verse, what he says is that to conform us to the image of, 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 of his son. So, so, so this, is, this is very helpful for me. All the stuff in life, all the ups, all the downs, all the heartache, all the grief, all the stress, God's using that to make me more like Jesus. And I've come to learn that usually the more stress I have usually means that I'm pretty is that I'm a pretty stubborn person, so he's having to use a little bit deeper chisel to get at me. Mm. Uh, so failure is a great teacher. You have to embrace it and figure out, okay, what can I learn from this? But you cannot let it go to your heart that says you're a failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're not a failure. You just learned a way that didn't work. Keep, you know, just, 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 just keep moving. Absolutely. I have used that analogy so many times with Babe Ruth, who struck out 1,330 times before he got his 714th home run. You know, we all have that tendency to say, oh, I blew it. I messed up. But I love the way that you say, no, no, failure is a teacher. And and the next thing that I want to bring into the light here is you said... As a leader, you must have the discipline to give the crisis freedom to fit into your day, not determine the schedule of your day. And I think that's something that so many of us miss is allowing margins in our day because there are going to be those things that blow up. We rarely don't allow that anymore. Uh, We usually jam pack our days. Mm Mm-hmm. When really we need to have freedom because something's going to happen that, that that goes wrong, and you're going to have to make room for some type of a crisis. And if you and if you give yourself some some and if you give yourself a little bit of margin, then this problem and then this mini crisis, it won't upset your day as bad. It won't ruin it as much because you had time to deal with it. But if you have every minute of of your day scheduled, well, now you have no room for stuff to go wrong. Now, for me, 
I come from a Christian background that says that we're born bent away from God. We're not born bent toward him. I mean, just look at the world. We all should believe that, you know. Mm-hmm, <laughs> we're mm-hmm. a mess. We're a wreck. <laughs> so I have this philosophy that stuff isn't supposed to go right, that it will break. And so you build that into your day, and so then you have time to deal with it. I also love the the area when you were talking about how to deal with those tough moments when you know somebody just says the wrong thing at the wrong time and you you want to fire back and you want to say something and and i love when you said step back and breathe and don't respond in the heat of the moment Mm. don't hit that send button Mm. you know i love that advice because Wow, we can all say or do something in the heat of the moment, and especially in our world of technology, hmm. we can hit the Twitter, we can hit the email, we can hit the text, and then, bam, it's out there, and you cannot take it back. Uh, Lincoln, by the way, if you read the book, you'll learn that he's one of my favorite leaders of all time. I also think that, 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 he's, that he's one of the greatest leaders of all time. Lincoln had a general named George McClellan, and Mc, and. And McClellan liked to look the part. He didn't like to do the part. Mm. He liked to wear the uniforms. He liked to have the authority. He liked to have all the men there, you know, who report to him. But he didn't like to fight. Well, if you're trying to win a war, that's a a major problem. (laughs) That's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And Lincoln was very frustrated with McClellan. The day after Lincoln is shot and he dies, he had two secretaries, John Nicolay and also John Hay. They go to his desk and they start cleaning out the president's desk. And they find an unsealed, uh, they find a folded letter that's been sealed. And so they open it up. It's one that the president had pinned to John McClellan and he never sent it Mm. and in this letter Lincoln lets out all of his feelings calls McClellan all kind of names just lets him have it but what's interesting is the president had enough foresight to to get his feelings out on paper then fold it up and then and then put it away Mm. Because in the moment, the president needed him in the field, needed him fighting that war. He didn't need to damage that relationship. Lincoln did fire him late, 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 later on. But think about this. Lincoln showed patience and then did the right thing. In the day's world, we tend to write it out and then hit that send button on that text. Mm-hmm. We don't think about okay, is this going to damage this relationship and make it harder for me to navigate this? There's a bigger picture at view than just that moment's frustration. So I often tell people to just be like Lincoln. Be patient. You can, you can, you can write it out. Just write it out mm-hmm. and then delete it. 
because you need that relationship to to get down the field. I love that because it it allows the person to get their feelings and their frustrations out. Go ahead and write it out. Be a Lincoln. But then pray over it and, and don't send it. Just let it cool down. I love great advice, Brian. And we're talking about a lot of different snippets right now from Brian Sanders' book, Leadership Endurance. You want to get this book because there are a lot of things what I love about it, too, it's it's just an easy read. You you aren't um, you're not trying to overwhelm anyone. It's it's just a couple of really good nuggets per page that you can highlight and incorporate into your life. Now, I love this one that says progress is never made in the harbor. You've got to get in the ship and endure the storm. I mean, sometimes we want to just sail around in the harbor and never step out into what looks like absolute danger. Mm. Take the risk is what you're saying. Yes. You have to take the risk. You have to. um, FDR was 39 years old whenever he got polio. Now think about this. He's grown man. He's married. He has kids. He goes to a Boy Scout camp and where they dig in the dirt and where they do all this kind of stuff. And then two weeks after that camp, he comes home and he can't walk anymore. 39 years old. Now, for me, I'd have been done. I'm like, I'm a grown man. I'm married. I have kids. And I can't walk anymore? Really? My life is over. But FDR went on to become Assistant Secretary of the Navy became governor of New York, and then elected president four times. Uh, and think about that. He's like the president four times. Nobody else has ever done that in the, history, in the history of America. All from a wheelchair. All from a wheelchair he did this. Think about this. When, 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 whenever that storm hit FDR, he said, okay, I can stay in the harbor and I can play this safe, and yet I can feel sad for myself, or I can push myself, mm. and I can get out there, and I can sail, and let's see where the, where this thing will land. Became governor of New York, president of the U.S., helped us beat Germany, and also Japan. I want to jump into the next phase of some of your advice in the book was talking about needing a friend or two as a leader it can be kind of lonely because you really don't have a lot of people that can see the Mm. big picture with you they only see their part you know i used the analogy once of like a beach ball and you you hold the ball up and you see just the the couple of uh, colors on your side but you don't really see the colors on the other side And as a leader, you see the entire beach ball, you see where it's headed, what you're doing, and you need a couple of folks really close by who can be your sounding board. Hmm. I compare this to a chessboard or to a checkerboard. Your team members are that particular chess piece. they They are that particular checker piece. And in a chess set, 
there's a rook there there's there's a knight there's a pawn and that rook only can do what the rook does and that rook is just concerned with their square as the leader you have to be responsible for all the squares on the board mm-hmm. and the pawn doesn't understand how to look at the whole board the knight doesn't know how to look at the whole board you have to step back and look at every single square and as bad as you are tempted to make those people your best friends they'll never see the board the way you do mm. what i've done is that every saturday i have uh breakfast with with a guy named uh, tim and we're great friends and he has uh he doesn't work for uh for the the organization and we just get together every saturday morning with breakfast and we just talk about life we talk about work we talk about uh just everything and that and that helps me because there are things that i can vent to him that i can't to different team members Mm -hmm. so uh truman was uh her president truman wrote to his wife bess she would oftentimes spend time at their home in uh independence missouri and he wrote to her the white house is a lonesome place Mm. now there's two things going on there one he's wanting her to come visiting but two leadership it's just lonely Mm. because nobody sees the board like you do right nobody can make the decisions that the president has to make nobody has to make the decisions that that i have to make now my different team members they can recommend stuff but guess who that decision's on it's on me mm. and so for the for for the pastor who is listening you get it you 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 have all and and this is the thing with and this is why pastors this is just this is just my opinion they 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 are such at a disadvantage i i have one boss a pastor if it, if his church is like 50 people he has 50 bosses mm. there are 50 people that he has to get their their approval every single week they're they're they're, they're at such a disadvantage and this is my encouragement to them. Just lead. People want to be led. And they want their lives to matter. You, you, you just have to show them why, why, why Canaan is better than Egypt. And they will follow you. Mm. I love that. And here's kind of what I'm getting from the, the entire book. Heroes never give up they never quit nope and i want as we come to the end of this session i want to talk about the final things that you want to make sure anyone who's listening hears how we how we don't give up Hmm. whole purpose of the book is that it's just not giving up leadership endurance and this from moms and dads and aunts and uncles Mm. and grandmas and grandpas and pastors and business owners and uh because we all want to give up because life gets overwhelming and the problems that just end up on our doorsteps and they usually come uninvited Mm. uh 
this is this one will say is that the passion for your purpose has to be greater than the fears that your insecurities create. And this is my encouragement to you. Who cares if they see you fail? At least you tried. Mm. All right. You are going to love this book. I'm going to encourage you to get online, get to Amazon, and find Leadership Endurance by Brian Sanders. Brian, I hope you'll come back and be a guest with us at Encouragement Cafe again. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And you can get more information at briansandersauthor.com. And Luann, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Oh, honey, we are so glad you're here. And may the God of hope give you the courage to encourage others. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us today at Encouragement Cafe with Luann and Friends, where women gather, friends laugh, and hearts mend. Let's continue our conversation. Hop online when you get a chance to sit down and breathe at EncouragementCafe.com. Remember, this is God's ministry, so we ask for your prayers as we reach out to women in Jesus' name. We'll see you back here next week where we fill you up one cup at a time.